that Halloween party. Right? So, so what are you doing after we get done with our true crime? Well, I wanted to spend time with Steven, so I thought we'd have breakfast. And then we're going, this is his choice, to go look for mannequins, children mannequins, to dress up as the Shining Twins for his partying months away in October. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like you shopping for Christmas. He's very well prepared. He's very prepared. He has a list, he has a diagram he drew. <laughs> Uh, the whole house. He has a diagram. Oh, it's on poster board. Brad come over and they drew it and they put the fence and they put everything. It's very detailed. And then we're going to also look. He saw where there's a dead body and it's opened the stomach and you put old herbs and food in there. By Doesn't, the way, did he order his ice machine? going to be a fun day. Yeah, I regularly go with Mike to look like mannequins to dress up as the two girls from The Shining. He doesn't know if he's going to keep them, though, because he's got to throw blood on them. Wow. So he's not... I he, think these are red flags for me. Well, I was about to say, those are red flags. So this is probably one of the most controversial family annihilations. I think the only one that maybe compares a little bit is uh, Scott Peterson. Oh, yeah. Um, Would he be considered a family annihilation? Huh? Would he be considered family annihilator? Killing your wife and unborn kid, yeah. And, you know, I started noticing a pattern, too, in family annihilators, uh, not all of them, where the wife is sometimes pregnant, just like Colette was with a baby boy. That's been in three shows now that I've seen where they knew the sex of the child. It was a boy, which by the way, there are just two biological sexes. And it's like they, they annihilate them. It's crazy. Okay. So sur surrounded by controversy, many think he was innocent. Um, the Wilderness of Error that just came out, that series, it's very good. It keeps you guessing. But at the very end, Mark Smurling, the producer, you could tell he was like, huh, because he had like second thoughts. So yeah. before we even get started, what do you guys think? What's your take? I 100% had no doubt that he did it. As I'm reading the book, there's definitely some confirmations, but there's also some things that could easily be um, explained in his defense. Right. That's why he had more than one trial. He had multiple. Yeah. So, I just got to an area where we'll get into that. So what do you think? Do you think he is innocent or guilty? I think he's guilty. Mm -hmm. But if you're sitting on a trial, it has to be reasonable doubt. If you're doing your job properly, I could see where you might acquit. Not him. these days. Or, yeah, not these days. Yeah. But there's like, there's two things, which we'll get into that to me, it sums it up um kind of but you know we watched that case uh casey lacy peterson 
series when I was there. And uh, there's one thing in that whole story that to me, Scott Peterson is more than likely innocent. At the very least, uh, he shouldn't have been convicted. No, too much possible doubt. It's the dog. It's the dog. He was convicted in the media. Right. But it's like everybody's, you know, he killed her at this time. There was no way he killed her at that time. And and then she takes the dog for a, a walk and the dog returns without her. I mean, I think he did it, but I think he was convicted. You need media. to watch the show. Yeah, I'd watch the show because the dog gets it for me. I think he was a douchebag. I think that he, um, you know, was, I mean, just the lowest scum to be pursuing a mistress at his wife's memorial and all yeah. that. Uh, but I don't see him kidnapping her while she's taking the dog for a walk. I don't see that. He would kill her in the house. So the dog returns home minus her. Right. So that right there, that, that needs to be explained. You got to tell me why she takes him for a walk and then all of a sudden the but dog he, comes back. Kidnapped her to make it look and then the dog come back. Well, he was already People at his, crazy. He, he was, was already gone warehouse and it was documented through his computer he was already at the warehouse so that's that's kind of like the you know the controversy around Jeffrey McDonald because and I think part of it too is you can look at Jeffrey McDonald he's as much as you know a scumbag when it comes to husband as Scott Peterson um but again there are two things that to me you cannot explain away there's more but there's two things that can't so let's start with the crime itself and it was a cold, rainy night, February 16th through the 17th. So again, it's kind of one of those things where it's the middle of the night, um, 1970. And young Green Beret Captain Jeffrey McDonald, his beautiful wife, Colette, and two sweet little girls, Kimberly and Kristen. Um, it was like the picture of, you know, the American family. You know, they um, had a little one-story garden ap apartment at Fort Bragg, which I had no idea. I'm like, what the heck is a garden apartment? apartment and I guess it's like a an apartment where you have several units and then there's a garden somewhere on the property with like at least you got some manicured you know flowers and grass etc but sometimes they have an actual garden it was but they were also little single little bungalow homes mm -hmm. yeah which that's what theirs kind of looks like or maybe I, I can't remember if it's connected to the the apartment next to it no, so what was interesting, I didn't know this. There was actually a family that lived above them. Okay. And I had no idea. I thought that they were oh, separated. Really? Oh. Mm -hmm. Did they hear anything? Yeah, the um, daughter did. Mm -hmm. mm. What'd she hear? One moment. Come back. So while she's looking for that, um, so a lot of this is McDonald's, okay? Where, where are you going? Hello? <laughs> okay. Um, so he got off his regular shift at the base hospital. He was a surgeon. He then took both girls to feed the pony he had bought them for Christmas. And afterward, they returned home, showered, and he put on his blue pajamas. The family had a quick dinner because Colette, I didn't remember this, um, she had to get to her child psychology class. So she was in school. And then McDonald put Kristen to bed and then he fell asleep on the living room floor while watching television because he had just worked a 24-hour shift that day. So here's the thing. He worked that, well, he worked a regular job 
plus another job with the long shift or vice versa. Then he went and played basketball for some time and then came and did all that stuff. I mean, he was up for a very, very, very long time. He was, and he was also on um, drugs, wasn't he? The, the hypers, whatever yeah. those are called. Hypers. Hypers. About an hour later, Kimberly woke him up and asked to watch her favorite show, Laugh-In, which she did. And then she went back to bed once the show was over. And then about 40 minutes later, Colette returned and both her and McDonald had a couple of drinks while watching television. And then in the middle of Johnny Carson, Colette, who was four months pregnant with their first boy, um, went to bed. McDonald finished watching the show and then started reading a novel when Kristen starts crying. And I was like, man, how is this guy awake? You know, after working and all that. And then I, you know, found out about the uppers. So he gave her some chocolate milk and then he finished his book around 2 a.m. He then washed the dishes and went to the master bedroom. And there was little Kristen. She's the youngest sleeping next to Colette at uh, Colette. She had wet the bed, which it seemed to be pretty common. And he didn't want to disturb uh, Colette. So he carried Kristen back to her room, grabbed a blanket and fell asleep on the living room couch. Did you, um, I was trying to look for that piece. Did you say that she peed in the bed on his side? Yes, which oh. I thought was interesting is actually, it seemed that the pattern from the question that Colette asked in class was that, Kristen often slept with McDonald and she was the one that was usually on the couch. Right. Oh, that was kind of an interesting deal. And it could just be, that's how it happened that night. But I just thought that was interesting. And then the forensic evidence piece that actually it was the oldest child's urine supposedly that they had found in the bed at that time. Hmm. So is Kristen the oldest? I thought she was the youngest, but maybe she's the oldest. No, Kristen is the youngest. Kimberly's the oldest. Oh. She, yeah, that's why it's really weird. And they get to it as to why that might be significant. Okay. So uh, he said that Colette's shouting suddenly woke him up. And she said, Jeff, why are they doing this to me? Then he heard Kimberly screaming, daddy, daddy, daddy. So now at this point, he's fully awake. He saw four figures standing over him. He described one. And he was extremely detailed in his descriptions. Uh, he said that one was a black man wearing a, a fatigue jacket with E6 sergeant's stripes on the sleeves, two white men and a woman with a flappy, floppy hat and stringy blonde hair. He thought she was holding a candle in front of her face, but they never found any candle residue so later he said well maybe it was a flashlight and she was chanting acid is groovy kill the pigs so popular comment and the hat back in that day right they called police pigs and it's supposedly her boots he couldn't remember if they were white or brown but they looked shiny so they were either shiny boots or they were wet from rain and apparently in their area, it was actually uncommon for them to talk that way. It was more common on the West Coast, oh. which is where the Manson things were, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, those items yeah. were in that uh, magazine that you'll get to. Interesting. So um, McDonald said that he tried to get up, 
but the black man hit him with a club. He then felt a sharp pain on the right side of his chest. He said that he looked down and saw a glint of an ice pick blade. He struggled with the intruders as he tried to get up. They yanked his pajama top over his head onto his wrist, which he then used to fend off blade thrusts. The black man kept hitting him with the club. He tried to make his way to the hallway that led to the bedrooms to check on his family, but he passed out. When he came to, he discovered Colette on the master bedroom floor with the handle of a knife sticking out of her cheek or chest. Was it chest? I think it was chest. Yeah. On the bed's uh, headboard, someone wrote pig in blood. McDonald said that he pulled the knife out of her chest before starting mouth to mouth. Now, that's weird to me because I heard that you don't pull the knife out ever because it could be what's stopping a bleed out. So you leave the knife, especially if it's in the chest, because once you pull that knife out, it's just going to bleed all over the place. So I learned that years ago. I don't even remember where it was. If it was like a CPR class or something. But they say don't pull things out of people's bodies. Never. I heard that the other day. But you know, when you're in a traumatic situation like that, you do things you wouldn't do. You don't. Well, it, he's a surgeon, though, number one. Yeah, but maybe he had to do that to do CPR. Because back then, you know, you pressed. Right. So he didn't. He, um couple of things they did blame him taking the knife out of her chest immediately on his surgical background but you're right that's typical at least now don't know what it was back then mm -hmm. but he didn't do CPR he only did mouth to mouth and they kept like reiterating that so then there would be no reason to pull the knife out except to get your fingerprints on it uh -huh. and have a reason for your fingerprints to be on it well, I know he's guilty 100%, but I, I also know, surgeon or not, you come home or you see something like that, your mind still works like a human being. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though I know I he know. did it. Because all the true crime where you've got doctors and stuff that do it, they don't overreact. They don't freak out. But I could see, but usually doctors are psychopaths anyway, believe yeah. it or not. Functioning psychopaths, but they're they're designed to operate in those conditions. But yes, I can give a little bit of you know credence to that was his wife, but personally, I think he did it just gives a reason for his fingerprints to be on it. Um, then what's weird is he then said that he placed his pajama top over her chest. Why? And then went to check the girls. That's yeah. an odd thing to do. So both were lying in their bedrooms covered in blood. He called for help and said, we've been stabbed. People are dying, which I thought the people are dying was very interesting. How you phrase that. I found the, um, the girl. Okay. She so lives upstairs, a 16 year old babysitter. Um, and she heard in early morning hours, she said she came out of a deep sleep and I heard Colette's voice. Uh, woke her up the voice I heard was mad enough to kill she couldn't dis distinguish the words um but she thought that she was saying what do you think I'm going to do while you are doing all of this do you think I'm going to be standing around here doing nothing if you touch one hair of those children's head or my head I'll kill you now this was five at least five years after the initial um 
murder and interview of her where she didn't really have a recollection, but that's pretty specific. Well, so. did she say that one mm -mm. they investigated? So it makes me wonder, was it just something she said later? Me too. It always makes me wonder when they don't say anything now, like I immediately dismiss it. But there has been a lot of talk that they were arguing and family members, you know, knew that Colette was upset because he kept sleeping with these women. Right. And yeah. she did not like it. And so she may have had her fill of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if these words are correct, like, what do you think I'm going to do? Just sit around and do nothing. Um, or what am I going to do while you're doing all of this? He was trying to supposedly go to Russia for with the boxing team, which actually wasn't even going to Russia, but um, that was an issue for them. But a, already a 16 year old too, that's pretty detailed knowing that he cheats. So, but why well, didn't she say it at the- Yeah, and I, I found that through a lot, like everyone initially painted this picture and I mean, everyone. And then six to nine years later when they were, and reinvestigating everything, all of a sudden people were changing mm -hmm. their relationships. Uh, people were remembering things. It was weird. But a lot of books were being written, a lot of interviews. You know, people liked that. Well, the, you know, the thing is, is that um, he'd already gone on one of those trips and it was on one of those trips he had an affair the whole time and she knew about it. Yeah, he went on several, always had an affair. Yeah. So maybe the girl heard something. Well, sometimes people can be nervous, right. you know, saying something as a child, uh, they may be scared, you know, an entire family slaughtered in a vicious way. And maybe she was scared about that. But I'm like you, if you, if you're not saying it from the beginning, I really don't trust you saying it later. Um, right. They were next door neighbors. I thought I read where uh, yeah, I didn't it was above it. Yeah. I thought all the Fort Hood, everything like that is single. So um, I want to, so that, you know, why did he cover her chest with the, the top? So you can see right here, this is Colette. And that's a bath mat. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is well, very weird. Well, um, that's the pajama top and that white thing there is a bath mat. So really? right here is that the blue is the pajama mat and you can see the blood all over her head because she was struck first. Um, here is the pajama top and you can see the ice pick holes. Um, and, uh, so I just think that's a little bit weird for him to put on top of her. Um, because he, when he fended off the fight in the living room, the ice pick holes weren't, they weren't, they wouldn't have even been there. Was she nude on the top? No. No, it looks like she had um, bottoms on. Yeah, yeah, it looks like she had her pajamas on, and there's her top right there. So, well, yeah. It was raised up, and he just, I know he did it, but I mean, he could say it was raised and he put it there. And the thing about the pajama top, though, to me, um, it definitely lines up with some of her wounds, supposedly. But it makes zero sense for him to, because supposedly the ice pick did not like tear um, the pajama top. So the self-defense wounds were, or the self-defense angle 
doesn't make sense for him to be attacked with it on, but it may, okay, but you could say that the other thing too, like if she had grabbed a hold of his pajama top, there wouldn't be defense tears. And it makes no sense to me for him to lay the pajama top on her and then stab her with it. I think the reason he did that is to get, um, basically he had no evidence that he was attacked. There was no blood on it. There were no holes on it. There were nothing in his pajama top to support his story. So I think that he put it on top of her, stabbed her so that he would have holes in his pajama top and then he could contaminate the pajama top because none of his blood was on there. So he had to explain it. So instead he puts the pajama top on her to get it contaminated with all of her blood. So I think it was to cover up that there was no evidence he was attacked. So he had to make holes and contaminate it with her blood. That is smart though. I don't think he just stabbed her through his. Another interesting thing about the pajama top is that there was also holes in the back. So whenever they first came on the scene, they were like, he saw it and it was front and back. And he was like, there's no way if he has all those wounds on his back that he's alive. It's still, again, like I'm with you, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I understand the blood contamination and everything. Yeah, but did he, he did. not think? Yeah, he thought were- probably not because I think he didn't intend to kill his entire family that night. I think he got into a rage and it was too late and he had to cover up after. So to me, the crime scene makes sense of a person who was covering up after the fact not necessarily planning it beforehand. I, I would have kept it on and just. I would. I completely you know, agree. Yeah. It just still doesn't like. What Seems was he strange. thinking? Putting the pajama top on there and just poking the holes. It's like. Yeah. Well, she was actually stabbed. We'll get into that in a second because yeah. the holes and her stabs uh, wounds actually match perfectly. Yeah, some of them do. I said that earlier, but still, it just no, doesn't. All of them. The way they folded it up the scientists were able to like the way he would have laid that on there they were able to perfectly match everything now is that actual science or not but that surprised me because that was an in fatal vision when it was written and it was things that came out later so we'll get more in depth on it the mps they arrive they survey the scene uh colette had been stabbed 16 times with a knife in the chest and neck and then 21 more times in the chest with an ice pick that was driven all the way to the hilt. She'd also been hit at least six times in the head. Both her arms were broken, so she's probably trying to defend herself, but the girls were even worse. Kimberly had been struck in the head at least six times. One blow shattered her skull and another the left side of her face. She was hit with such force that it splintered her nose and cheek and a piece of bone was sticking through the skin beneath her eye. She'd also been stabbed in the neck with a knife several times. The wounds were so close and precise that the pathologist could only estimate eight to 10 wounds. So it was really hard. Didn't he use a bat? A club. A club. Well, I found out later it was actually a piece of wood from their bed. Yeah, the slats. All one of the slats. All the weapons came from within the house. So they matched 21 ice pick stabbings that went straight in, and there were 48 total on his pajama top. But it was folded in the same way that would account for the majority of them, 42 or whatever. I think she's probably already dead. 
And he put the pajama top on top of her and then just, cause they went straight down. It wasn't yeah. like she was fighting it off. It's like, she's laying there and the pajama top is on her. Um, now baby Kristen, she had one finger was cut to the bone. It was probably when she tried to protect herself as well, even though she's, I think only two. And then she had 33 stab wounds, 12 in the back four in the chest and one in the neck from a knife and then 15 more from an ice pick in her chest. The only survivor was Jeffrey McDonald who was found lying with his arm around uh, Colette, which I thought was just very convenient for him to be laying there next to his wife with his arm over her. So of course we saw, um, you know, Colette's wounds or crime scene photos here. Um, This is a baby. Uh, and, and that one actually had defensive wounds and this is the other one so and one children had flesh under her fingernail too which they lost right they lost it yeah mm-hmm. and they also lost his pajama pants which would have been huge for me you know it's a lot like uh the manson murders uh-huh and then i thought i had saved these um right before this. Oh. Uh, let me see if I can find them. So when you look at, so here, here's the bloody footprint right here. And we'll get to that in a little bit that was found um, and was one of the reasons why they do not believe that um, anyone else killed them. Um Again, he's the only survivor as a husband, so. Mm-hmm. And his personality traits are very similar to what we've been seeing. So here's some of the stab wounds into Colette. Oh. Um, and then uh, the baby. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, they were, they were, it was, uh, to me, it was what you would call overkill. Mm-hmm. And was that last wife? That was one of the Colette's daughters. Child. Two uh, were of the kids and one of her. So it's like overkill to me is personal. Yeah. Unless mm-hmm. you're in a drug craze. You know, so if you're in a drug craze, which he might have been, um, but if you're in a drug craze, uh, that's the only reason I can see for overkill. Yeah. Unless you're a serial killer. You know, there's some that they, but usually when you see that level of violence, uh, it, it's it's someone that knows them. The other thing that's very interesting is all the weapons were from the house. The ice pick, right. the knife, and the wood. It, if you're going to go in somewhere to kill people, you're not going to go in without something. Yeah. Killing the children, though, I, I just never understood why he would do that. Me neither. Well, I liked on Wilderness of Error, the uh, prosecutor said, you know, let's say that, well, I don't remember if he said this, but let's say that he was in a fit of rage and Mm -hmm. struck his wife and, you know, went ahead and just out of rage, continued to kill her. But then he actively made a decision Mm -hmm. to go and kill the babies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. And they have a theory on that, which I think we get to in the notes. Yeah. So. The police always look at the spouse, you know, or the survivor, because like True Crime Garage, you know, they said, 
you know, here this dude's a Green Beret and they kind of went into some of his training. He wouldn't have been trained to the level Green Berets were as far as hand-to-hand combat, but he would have been trained in a lot of the way a Green Beret was. And so here you've got this Green Beret and they said anytime, and I agree with them that you go into a house to kill, you're going to eliminate the threat, which is always going to be the male. Right. And you're dang sure not going to go into a military Green Beret officer's house and not have a weapon. So to them, it's like, here you have this overkill, this brutal killing of this wife and her two daughters, pregnant wife and two daughters, and then the man escapes a little strange. Um, on the, I agree 100% on the knife that he pulled out of her chest. It was actually a completely different knife than was used to stab. It was really weird. And he denied having any three of those items in the house. Like Which, he denied that those were his items. And did you read where they were found? Yeah. Out the yeah, back door, outside. right? It's like. Yeah. And, and that uh, bath mat, um, all three items, the two knives and the ice pick were found um, on there, or at least the blood pattern to match those were found on that. Yeah. Which indicated maybe he sat them down as he was doing something. Yep. And it's like, you throw it out the back door. I mean, we think the police aren't going to check. And so that, again, that's why I think he wasn't thinking straight. I think he was exhausted. I think he was on uppers. I think that it was, um, he, spontaneously killed her and then either accidentally wounded one of the daughters or he had to get rid of them as witnesses but then you throw all the murder weapons out the back door like how are you going to explain that you know it's like they were asleep no the oldest one actually they think woke up because of where she was where some of her blood was her blood was yeah so it definitely wasn't right to go ahead and kill the youngest yeah and it doesn't make you know like sense to me some of the things he did but it makes sense if you think that it was not a planned murder um so i guess just with our family or family annihilators that we've been seeing it's very planned yes yeah so he's one that's definitely different instead of drugged up i think no it was drugged up oh yeah me too So that's what they do here. You know, they start with him and several things bothered the 30 year old um, William Ivory. He was the first criminal investigation division agent. So it's CID in the military on the scene. So let me break down what he noticed. So the first thing he noticed was one single tipped over plant and a top heavy coffee table lying on its side where the only were the only two things disturbed in the living room. So if there's a life and death struggle, of course, you're going to have more. So that was kind of weird. Then later, they tried to get the coffee table in the exact position that it was in. And it would never assume that position again, because top heavy, it's going to go all the way down. It's not going to lie on its side. And uh, so that bothered him. The second thing that bothered him is of all the blade thrusts that McDonald fought off, only one tiny single fiber from his pajamas could be found in the living room. Yet dozens were found in the bedroom. What makes it incriminating is several were found underneath Colette. Others were under Kimberly's sheets and two more were in Kristen's room 
including one lodged under her fingernail. So McDonald said he wasn't wearing the top when he went into their rooms. Right. I guess the killers did it and then went in there. Another thing about the the living room there in the dining room, because it's a very, very small apartment there in the dining room were uh, Valentine cards and not one of them was tipped in. And that theory was tested by a few different people. And you can can fart over in that area and it will blow a card down. Right. Anyway, (laughs) when they were testing that theory, there was numerous people that, that every time they would run by or struggle, they constantly fell down. Right. Yeah, the air of walking by, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So the third one was the blood evidence. There were, quote, buckets in the bedroom, bedrooms, but none in the living room. They found one teeny tiny little bitty drop on the hallway steps. It was so small, they couldn't even type it. So at the time, they didn't have any DNA, you know, so um, they had to go by types. This was so small, they couldn't even do that. They also found McDonald's glasses by the living room drapes. And they found a single speck on one of the lenses that matched Kristen's. Yeah. Not McDonald's. Um, but he said he wasn't wearing them when he went into her room. So how did that blood get there? Um, the next thing. He wasn't wearing the glasses. Right. Yeah. He tried ridiculous for everything yeah. they threw at him. Then mm-hmm. Ivory, CID agent Ivory found tips of surgical gloves beneath the headboard where pig was written and they were identical to the supply of gloves that were stored beneath the kitchen sink in the cabinet and then in that same area on the floor in front of that cabinet were drops of blood that were the same type as McDonald and we'll get to the types in a second but most hippies high on LSD aren't going to have surgical gloves with them. So when he wrote pig, the tip tore and dropped and he didn't know it. They also found thing about the glove is that they feel that it was in the trash that they got rid of. So they didn't even get to get into the trash. Mm. Oh, okay. They, They really mess up on numerous things. They also found the ice pick, a kitchen knife later from their own kitchen, a bloody piece of wood about the size of a baseball bat that that were used to kill Colette and her daughters. Every murder weapon uh, came from the house. Also, McDonald uh, made suspicious statements. He told them three times, three times that he took the knife out of his wife's chest in the six weeks following the murders. And that got their suspicions up. Like, why does he keep repeating himself? Their curiosity heightened when Tess revealed that the weapon had never been in her chest. So, yeah. So the ones that was used, the majority of the stabbings was not the one in her chest. It was a totally different knife. Yeah. So again, he's like, both of them. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. And then finally, McDonald hardly had any injuries considered that he'd been beaten with a piece of wood, stabbed, fighting off his attackers. And then the most serious wound was a clean, small, sharp incision 
located in the right chest between the seventh and eighth rib, which by the way, is where you feel the least pain and you suffer the least damage. Is really? that interesting? So only a surgeon would know that. Like he would know where to find the rib and stab himself. And almost immediately he was instructing them like what was about to happen to him and what to do, like make sure he was saved mm -hmm. almost immediately when they got there. Yeah. And then like on the 911 call, he's uh, all like, you know, we need police. We need MPs. We need ambulances, blah, blah. And they're trying to get from him. Are you on base or off base? And he's like, well, why would that matter? And then he like runs off, leaves the phone hanging. And then he comes back and he's like, send, you know, help. And she's like, uh, we got MPs on the way, but he would know why she needs to know that, mm -hmm. you know. Here's what's jacked up about that is supposedly he finally answered her and she goes, well, you have to call off base or base onto that and was like, and then he takes off and it's like, why can you not just, I mean, this is an emergency situation. You He's help. You take there. Yeah. You don't transfer a call or say you need to call them. And I don't even know if 911 was a thing back then in the seventies, you know, so well, they probably weren't trained. You had to call the police. Right. They probably weren't trained on what you do, you know, but we do know she transferred them to the MPs, but they were already on the way at that point as well. Um, so, but why didn't he know? If you get a call, someone's dying, you don't say you've got call to call this off base for that. Right. But here's something that's interesting. He's in the military. He would know who to call. Why did he call that number? So to me, he's trying to buy time because he knows the timelines as a doctor of decay and rigor mortis and all of that stuff. So to me, it's like, did he purposely call the wrong number yeah. you know and so things that he needed to make sure were right yeah gotta have time for that now this is you know what uh and nick and captain on true crime garage said this was like a god thing because mcdonald did not know every single one of his family including himself himself had a different type of blood right which That's is extremely rare yeah had all so, four um it allowed the agents to reconstruct the crime. So here's what they pieced together. So from the blood evidence, the fight began in the master bedroom. They believe that Colette and McDonald had gotten into an argument and they think that Colette hit him first, possibly with a hairbrush. So the weapon is speculation, but that's what they're putting together. So then McDonald started hitting her um, with the piece of wood. Now, at first, they uh, said that they thought the piece of wood was used for household chores. Later, it was determined to be a slat from the bed. I'm wondering, like, did it fall out? Because I used to have a bed that had slats, and they would sometimes fall out, but they're, like, huge. So I'm trying to think of, okay, what? <laughs> Surely it wasn't one that was, like, you know, five foot wide. Well, hippies aren't going to lift the bed to get one. No, and they showed like where it came from and the size of it. And to me, it didn't look like a slat. It looked like a leg, but they kept saying that it was a, 
they may have used slap, but they weren't saying it was the leg, but that's what it looked like to me as far as the size. Yeah, everywhere I heard it was a bed slap, but in some places it just said it was a piece of wood that uh, was uh, used that had been laying around because it was recently used for some household chores. But here's the thing. Household so we're chores? thinking about slats now. Under the Furniture day. was made differently back then. So I'm wondering if maybe there were smaller slats to give support. I think I was I was thinking about that. I think one of my old beds was designed like that. You had like three really long slats, like on the outside and in the middle, and then smaller ones that went down in between those. So I'm wondering if maybe it was something like that. But they also um, found Kimberly's brain serum in the doorway. So they believe that she may have been accidentally struck. So when he, you know, swung it to hit her, they're thinking, which the force must have been incredible. I'm not sure I buy that. I mean, I think she might've been accidentally struck, but I don't think that would have produced the serum. I think it probably would have knocked her out. He hits Colette incapacitated, and then he goes over there and starts killing her. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess there could be enough force, but to me, it'd be like a backhand. And just from playing tennis, your backhand's never, you know, as strong as forward. So, but he was very strong. He was young. He was a green beret. So maybe it could do that on a little, little girl, you know, wouldn't surprise me, but that's why they think that he killed the daughters is because he accidentally injured and probably mortally injured um, Kimberly. And he thought, well, I might as well finish off the job. So they think that he finished off Colette and then carried Kimberly back to her room and killed her. Then once he was done there, he went into Kristen's room and killed her. But before he could, Colette regained consciousness, stumbled in and threw herself on top of her daughter like any good mommy. And evidence shows that? Yeah. Her blood was found on Kristen's bed covers and on one wall of the bedroom. So that's going to be, you know, the blowback effect. It's so, been a while since I've seen the, yeah. read the book. Yeah. And then McDonald killed both of them, finished her off, wrapped his wife's body in a sheet, carried her back to the master bedroom, leaving his bloody footprint on the door on his way out. Here's the thing about the footprint. No doubt they even, they um, had evidence where they feel that he could have got that much blood and it was from the comforter where Colette's blood was kind of puddling in it. And then they feel that he stepped on it as he was putting her in it, carrying her back to the bedroom. But there's only one footprint. I have a hard time with that. It's like you go outside, you have water, mud, whatever. Um, you're gonna have residual, not just one. So did he forget to clean the rest of it or that one up? Maybe. Um, well, if only one foot, you know, got in part of the blood and then he walks, did any other residual footprint, it just wasn't discernible because most of it was in that one footprint. If he, there was a lot of blood everywhere. Yeah. If he had like tons of blood, like he was soaked in his foot, I would see several footprints, mm -hmm. but if it was just a little bit, cause he was trying to avoid it, um, or maybe he missed cleaning it up. Yeah, because it looked like enough where you'd see the full footprint. Go ahead and pull be. it up again. I mean, it's a good footprint. Yeah, so you should have a little left over. <clears throat> um, 
Ah, it's hard seeing the babies. Okay, right here. Hey, and, that's a good and it looks like there might have been something here they're pointing to. True, left, right. But maybe. that's a pretty good one. So I would think he'd have another one above. You know, but there or was something. a lot of blood. So maybe they just thought maybe it was just more blood. But yeah, I was thinking there should be more than just one. And then here's the ice pick and the knife. Right. Another. And then here's the knife that was supposedly in her chest that was not right in her chest. Um, so it looks like it was next to their bed. Um, I want to see this infamous piece of wood. Oh, here it is. Yeah. So I think you're right. It was one that went that way. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I had, showed a picture of it. I had planks in my bed growing up and they weren't that thick. Mm. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. Well, in the 60s, right? So, yeah, I, um, I mean, I did. I oh. had, <laughs> the bed slats were typically flatter. But wow. I did have one bed that had them that was basically square, but I'm just not sure on the piece of wood, but we do know as a murder weapon and we know he just threw them out the back door, which is stupid. Okay. So then fingerprints on them, right? Or fingerprints? Mm -mm, nope. Not from the one knife, which again and doesn't make sense. He wiped them all down. Yeah. And he then he tries to cover it up. So at the time of these murders, like we discussed, Charles Manson, and the Manson murders, Manson murders in California, it was all in the news. And agents found a blood-smudged March 1970 edition of Esquire in the living room, which they believed inspired him to write Pig and make up the chant from the hippie lady and all the other details of four assailants. What's also interesting is that the reason they think that is the bloody fingerprint had one of the girl's blood in it. And it was under the coffee table. Yeah. Oh. So how would the blood get there? So they think that he kills them and he sees that and he's like, oh, that's what I can do. Or he picked it up and looked at it, something. And it it was his fingerprint and it was one of his daughter's blood types. So uh, the thing about the magazine real quick is that they had a friend who came over that evening. Mm -hmm. um, he would often come over. And initial, the very first interview, so we're not talking five, nine years later where it changed, but initially he thought that it was very odd that McDonald immediately called his attention to that magazine, to that article. Um, I mean, right oh. off the bat, he thought that was odd. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Then also they discovered that he fetched a disposable scalpel blade from a supply he had in the hall closet and carefully stuck himself with it. He then put on the surgical gloves and wrote pig on the headboard and then laid his pajama top on top of his wife's chest. He then called for help with the gloves still on according to the blood pattern and then threw the evidence out the back door. He then messed up the living room, got rid of the gloves and scalpel blade. Agents aren't sure if he flushed them down the toilet or threw them away because they didn't stop the trash truck. Which it goes without saying, the people that handled this case sucked at what they do. Bad, bad. Now, to their defense, they probably didn't have a lot of murders like this, and they probably didn't have a lot of family annihilation situations. It's a military base. 
So I guess we could give them some, you know, leniency there, but it's like, come on. Well, I mean, wasn't it just the MPs? It wasn't an outside. No, they had the, the investigative agents. You know, that's what their job is, is they investigate crime. So, you know, and the ivory guy, he already suspected things were weird. They just did not um, secure the scene. At all. Yeah. And I think even things were stolen, wasn't there? Some things were stolen out of the house. Uh, His wallet by someone that was there in the house. I thought it was an EMT. I think you're right. Yeah. Stole his wallet. Yeah. So that right there, you could be like, see how shady they are? My my daughters and my wife are bludgeoned and stabbed to death and the CMT steals my wallet. Like, of course, they're going to frame me for this. You know, so I could see how people would be like, wow, from the start. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? So a science teacher tells his class, oxygen is a must for breathing and for life. It was discovered in 1773. A blonde student responds, thank God I was born after 1773. Otherwise, I would have died without it. (laughs) You know, I laugh because you're so ridiculous. So your first one today was pretty good. How do astronomers organize a party? How do what organize what? Astronomers organize a party. They plan it. (laughs) And you call me weird? And Stephen weird? Look at you two. You're both weird. You're weird too. I know I'm weird, but I'm just drinking my... She's weird, both of you. Drink here. Can you inherit that? Hold on. Weirdness? I am not fascinated with any morbid things. You're still weird in a different way. How, Mother? I can, do, I can give y'all a list. Just think of what I have thing. to think about. You're just weird. I see. You're just weird. That's weird. I'm just stirring my drink, waiting patiently. Y'all know. Y'all don't need examples. You know you're weird. Both of you. I know I am, but for different reasons. It takes a weird thing you don't know about, and you just spit peanut on my table. It takes takes a weird person. Weird people are fun. And funny. Maybe you're not weird. I'm weird, but in ways you don't know about. See, that's a good joke right there. (laughs) Better than yours. Are you going to choke? Joke. It sounded like you were choking. Oh, no, that was funny. Did you hear the little choke coming up? Are you turning red? (laughs) Oh, you're choking. Are you okay? (laughs) Can you breathe? This is weird. That was good, wasn't it, Shelly? This fun on video. Oh, that's funny. Okay. 